I'm Shane from Shane Salaam here on My Matters, our, our podcast, and I'm here with John. He's one of the attorneys here at Shane Smith Law in the Brain, Heart Concussion and Brain Injury Group. John, we were going to talk about some of the diagnostic tests they do to determine somebody's got basically a, a traumatic brain injury. Is that right? That's correct, Shane. And that's uh, one of the key areas that we focus on is getting our clients into the correct doctors to receive the correct testing to determine if they've actually sustained a brain injury. Why do we need all this stuff? Because like a concussion, it seems like I've seen EMTs on TV shows diagnose concussions, right? They just shine the light in your eyes and they're different. Is what's the difference in these kind of things we're going to do versus that? Absolutely. And I, I wish it was that easy because it would make our jobs a whole lot easier. But there are definitely layers to this. Um, and technology and specifically medical technology has come a tremendously long way in just the past few decades that allow us to even know more about the brain that we didn't know previously. And, and I've heard, uh, you, you know, it's been said before, brain injuries are the silent injuries because you can't see it. You can't, heck, you can't even touch it. I mean, it's, it's in some somebody's head. So a lot of times we've had clients who they begin to doubt themselves, right? And doubt they really have a brain injury or not, or doubt they think it's all in their head. And I guess it technically is because the brain is there, but it's a real legitimate injury. And some of these tests show it and prove it, right? That's absolutely right. You mentioned the silent injury. It's also been referred to as the invisible injury. And that's because, you know, we used, before we had access to these incredible tests, we just only knew that someone was different than the way that they were before the accident. If it was your uncle or your father, they just acted differently. And we didn't really know. Yeah, we didn't know why, right? We had no idea. And as medical technology has advanced and we can now see parts of the brain that are actually damaged and injured, we can now pinpoint the part of the brain that has either an abnormality or an injury or a lesion or a bruise with you know so much more detail than we could 20 years ago. So would it be fair to say, and not that doctors do this, but could a doctor pretty much look at some of these tests and the results and say, I bet your Uncle Joe is acting this way, or I bet he's lost his ability to talk, or I bet he's having trouble hearing, or can it, are the tests that good? That's, that's correct. At this point, the tests are that good, where we can pinpoint the area of the brain that is responsible for whatever function the injured person now has a deficiency in. So if all of a sudden they start not being able to find certain words or slur their speech or have memory issues, we can now corroborate that with the actual brain scan and see if that part of the brain that controls memory and speech has been affected or has a bruise on it or a lesion. So we pair the two things up and it gives us pretty darn conclusive evidence. So in the past, they've been able to basically map the brain and say, these are the areas of the brain that pretty much control certain areas of, of life, basically. Is that right? That's right. While we don't know everything about the brain, we've got it pretty down pat what each portion and segment of the brain does to control certain parts of the body, behavior, cognitive function. We feel pretty confident in the medical specialists do about what the brain does in each one of those each areas. Each area. So they Broadly, they know about what it is, but and even more specifics, I guess. And they're going to continue to learn more and more, obviously. I mean, it, yes. In the last 10 years alone, they've mountain of knowledge about the brain continues to grow exponentially, I would say. That's right. It seems as though it's speeding up at this point. As we realize and uncover these things every year, we're just learning more and more at a much faster pace. All right. Well, what are some of the tests uh, they would do on here? Because like I say, I, I know the 
the EMT test with the flashlight, but I mean, these are fancier tests, right? So right. fancier, more expensive, and probably much better than that one. Oh yeah. The one you mentioned is, is something called the Glasgow Coma Scale. Um, and this is a test that, you know, it's used to measure the initial severity of the injury. It's not so much used to assess if someone has sustained a mild traumatic brain injury. It's more to assess consciousness and the, you know, the, the level of emergency. So okay. EMTs use it a lot, first responders. And the scale actually has a whole criteria list of, you know, it measures eye response, verbal response, motor response. Um, and specifically like with eye stuff, it'll look at spontaneous eye movement, uh, to speech, to Spain, it, uh, to pain, and it'll give you a score number. Um, and at the end, when they go through all of them, if your score is around a 15, you have a mild, mild potential brain, um, excuse me, mild injury, um, comatose, it means that it's like eight or less and then severe would be like you're completely unconscious. Right, so the lower it is, the worse it is. That's right. And we see that a lot of the times that initial score may be worse than what the EMT grades it. So okay, yeah. sometimes we have to go back with a specialist or the attorney is kind of the first line of defense for some of these clients when it, when they get a Glasgow coma score and you know, the defense is very quick to point, well, you know, it's, it didn't look that bad. And then we say, well, you know, witnesses were saying at the scene that they saw, you know, rigid arms, which is called a fencing response or some other things that would indicate a much worse score. Okay. So by the time, sometimes we get them to the correct doctors, they say, you know, that Glasgow coma score was way worse. It would just perform badly and- Right or stuff, you know, stuff at the scene. And this is, it, it, it's it's no blame on the first responders. It's just sometimes car crash scenes are hectic. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes a car is on fire. Sometimes it's an emergency situation. Medicine's not perfect at that level. Right. But then once, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight is 2020, then a neuro neurospecialist can come in and say, you know, they, they probably had a much worse injury. Because I mean, in EUT at the scene, I mean, he's primarily trying to make sure you don't die. Right. And, and how quickly he's got to get you to the hospital or can he cut you loose? Not really long-term neurological effects. I mean, that's not his job, no. I would argue, at the scene. That's exactly right. And that's not the purpose of the test either, just to determine, hey, is this person going to make it by the time we can get them to the ER? Gotcha. That's, yeah. really, that's really the key. That's the, that's, <laughs> that's the goal of that test, yeah. huh? So that's kind of the first line defense test. And then second is um, the CT scan, computerized tomography. We see this test done a ton. Okay. Um, especially in the ER. Um, its primary purpose is to rule out uh, neurological emergencies as well. So typically skull fractures, swelling, bleeding in the brain, hemorrhages, hemorrhages the real serious stuff. So this is the stuff that's going to kill you if it's not addressed in the next hours or minutes or days? I mean, that's correct. Um, and that's really the big purpose of the test because it's not as high re resolution and as strong as some of the other tests. It's equated to about like several hundred x-rays, which may seem like a lot, but when it comes to the brain, there's more powerful tests out there. So it's another frontline ER test. So it's not also not, not used to determine long-term effects, basically. That's not its goal. Cor correct. In terms of determining like a, what they deem a mild to moderate TBI. Now it may very well diagnose a very severe TBI. Okay. Like if your, you know, your skull is caved in, that's obviously a very severe situation. A CT scan would pick that up. But I think the EMT could diagnose that too. That's pretty severe. Right. I mean, dude's got a caved in skull. He's going to, I mean, so it, I, obviously it pinpoints it and makes it, you know, you need it, but 
those severe cases that are that bad, the EMT is probably going to be pretty, and this is a serious case too. Everybody knows, right? Yes. I mean, that can definitely be a case where, um, you know, outward injuries to the skull or, you know, cave-in injuries, those are going to be pretty evident. I will say that, um, you know, if the CT scan does not find a traumatic brain injury, that is not necessarily a sign that there is not a TBI. Okay. The defense attorneys and defense experts love to sometimes point to the fact that a CT scan or not finding any significant findings means there's no traumatic brain injury. Okay. We just know that that is not the case. All right. Um, we just need different types of scans to show the correct injury. So unfortunately, I have the to be the bearer of bad news sometimes for my clients when they say, hey, I got the CT scan at the ER. It came back clean. I'm good to go, but I'm still dizzy. I'm still having trouble finding words. My loved ones say I'm still acting differently. So we have to explain to them, unfortunately, you may not be out of the woods yet. You, so may, you may just be, be beginning your journey to recovery. If a client or, or somebody was in a car accident, went to the hospital, had a CT scan, and it came back, quote, clean, that isn't, I mean, I don't wanna say it doesn't mean anything, but it's certainly, if you're showing symptoms of a brain injury, you definitely need to get care. You're not out of the woods. That's right. Um, it's it's great at finding those serious things we talked about, but the the long-term injuries from a mild to moderate TBI, which are very serious things themselves, are going to be caught with other imaging. That type of imaging is the um, MRI or the magnetic resonance imaging. Yeah way more powerful um, than a CT scan. And it has multiple different types of sequencing depending on what sort of thing we're looking for. Um, too much to get into here, but there's a lot of them out there, a lot of sequences. So the doctors, the, your specialist, usually a neurologist, is going to say exactly what kind he wants or how strong that MRI needs to be? Is that what it is? Yes. And, and that's why getting to a specialist is crucial because they will have the expertise um, to basically prescribe the correct sequencing. Because okay. you could order the wrong sequencing, it, it could miss your type of injury. Okay. So a lot of times we'll see where the doctors will order a whole battery of different sequencings of MRI just to make sure we don't miss anything. Because okay, this what? stuff is so important, lifelong permanent injuries. We just don't want to miss anything. And one of those types I, of- I was going to say, when you talk about different sequencing, is, is that a different type of MRI or is it a different way is it the same machine? It just does it a little differently. What what it, what's the different sequencing? Yeah. So um, you know, an MRI uses a combination of magnets and radio waves uh, to basically show what's going on in the brain, and they are slightly different. Um, but that that definitely gets into the weeds. Um, the sequencing um, will vary to prove different things. One of them is like a DTI. It's, okay. a, it's a diffusion tensor imaging. This is be rapidly becoming the gold standard for proving MRIs. There's about over 20,000 uh, peer-reviewed articles basically supporting it as a good way to identify brain injuries. Essentially, it measures how water uh, moves in the brain tissue um, and where any of that water movement is restricted. Yeah it can pretty much clear, clearly illustrate which part of the brain has been injured. And we find that out because it uses 
a 3D model. And these these images are just fascinating. Okay. I mean, the brain is illuminated and it's, you know, greens and pinks and oranges highlighting the brain. And the specialists can literally compare each side of the brain and where one part where the water has been restricted, we know the injury is right there. Yeah. And then we match it up to the symptoms. And I said it before, it provides such conclusive evidence of the brain injury because we have we can clearly see it now on 3D okay. imaging. It's the, the future is here. I was gonna say, it sounds like <laughs> something right out of Star Trek. Or, it, uh... it really is. It's almost to that level. It's 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 really eye-opening. And when we first saw these reports and this type of imaging, um, just everyone in the industry and the community was very excited. Now, I, I want to go back just a little bit to the different type of sequencing, because are you basically saying that if the doctor ordered the wrong sequencing, you could have a clean MRI, and if he'd ordered the right sequencing, it would have shown the brain injury? Is that... that Unfortunately, that is the truth. Uh, and, and and what that means is is that a lot of the times if 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 your case is in the hands of someone who's not a specialist, who's not actively doing these types of cases, not the right doctor, then the wrong type of sequencing could be ordered. Really? Okay. And, and your injury, you may still have it, but we just haven't identified it yet. So so I get my quote clean MRI, my regular doctor refers me for a brain MRI three months after the wreck and it comes up clean. That doesn't really, I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything, but it certainly doesn't mean I want all better and everything's in my head. That's right. Just want to put that out there because I, I see a lot of MRIs that are ordered and they come back well clean and people are like, well, good. And they feel so much better, but their family still says you're acting, you know, you're acting crazy. You're forgetting things. You're, you're dizzy. And they're like, yeah, but it, I got an MRI that says I'm good. Right. That's right. And that's why there are just so many diagnostic tests to be done. Because um, we really have to keep striving to identify the injury, especially when the client is still complaining of these very serious symptoms. Because we just we know we haven't done our job, and the specialist usually knows this too. If we haven't identified what the injury is, especially if the person is completely different after the accident. And I, I know that's something we've strived here in our our group here at the firm is making sure people are seeing not just neurologists, but neurologists who spend a lot of time on traumatic brain injuries basically and making sure they're the best specialist we can get somebody to right who's familiar with these acute injuries and the long-term consequences of it and familiar with the, the science too right absolutely and and that's really why we strive to find the absolute top people in their in their area because you know we've we've unfortunately seen situations before clients have come to us and gone to their own neuros where they reach a dead end and it's it's very frustrating and you can imagine if you're in this serious injury, you're a high performing professional or you used to be a top performer at your job and now you can hardly do half the hours you used to do. Your family says you've completely changed. Stuff at home is tough. You're forgetting appointments. And um, your neurologist who's supposed to be the, you know, the strongest advocate for you in your corner is saying, there's nothing more I can do. Or, you know, here's a handful of pills, come back in two months. That, that doesn't fit a lot of people's schedule and recovery schedule. Yeah. And that's why we try and find the best neurologist and, and just know the network and be familiar with the area. I was gonna say, that's one of the things that frustrates me the most if someone says, well, my doctor said this is, there's nothing else to do, you, you know? And I'm like, well, we don't have answers yet. You know, we got to keep digging or we got to keep doing something or we need to see a different doctor or see a fancier doctor, you know, I mean, a more specialized doctor or something. And because there's nothing else I can do and here's some pills is terrible, right? That's a lifelong sentence. 
That's right. Um, you know, we're not really in the business of allowing our clients just to mass pain with pills. We want to find answers. Um, we owe it to the client. The client wants that. We all want that. So yeah. this, these diagnostic tests allow us to kind of push further and further to get those answers that we need because that's what we need to prove our damages in the case. That's what we need to um, just when when the client is going home at the end of the day, just to know what is causing these symptoms is such a relief. Yeah. So they didn't know that, like you said, it's not just in their head. These are very real things and we can actually point to it because we now have the correct image order that shows where the injury is. So, so basically, I guess the sequence of tests a lot of our clients will go through is uh, to get the uh, the coma test at the scene, the Glasgow coma test, uh, which is good at diagnosing concussions, but that's really about it. And then they'll get a CT scan at the hospital sometimes. That's really for things that are going to kill you in the next couple of days. And they may get some form of MRI, but it's critical that it's the right type of MRI to show brain injuries as opposed to just a head MRI. And what's the next step? So there's, there's actually some additional tests out there. One is the VNG, which is the video nystagmography. Um, and that is one that is used in order a lot when we see our clients have balance issues, or um, it can be used to assess abnormal eye vision. You may have heard of this word, um, nystagmus. It's the same test, actually, the horizontal gaze nystagmus that officers use when they're assessing a DUI. Okay. Because the eye will actually flutter a little bit and that happens too when you're drinking, okay. but it also happens when you have a brain injury. Crazy. Yeah. And, and the thing that that's so great about this test from a um, from a medical professional standpoint is it is completely an objective test. It just is what it is. You can't fake an eye <laughs> flutter. So they say if you have that, you're well. You've either been inebriated or you have a brain injury. You, you know, and, and you say that I've had clients before uh, where their neurologist would actually give them a card that said they've been received a brain injury because they got pulled over and had to go through the whole test and the client got arrested. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so that particular neurologist started giving out cards that said, I've got a brain injury. And it was like, if you're, you know, get pulled over for something, give this to the officer. So they, you know, know it's a legitimate kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, because like you say, it's the same evidence. Uh, either you're inebriated or you've got a brain injury. Wild, yeah, that, that's interesting. <laughs> and another test they use too is something called an EEG, which is an electroencephalogram. Um, that's where they put little wires on your head and they will monitor brain waves to see if there's anything abnormal there. We see that one less, but some neurologists use it quite a bit. I've heard that it's it's good to distinguish uh, PTSD symptoms from TBI symptoms. Okay. Sometimes there can be some overlap there and it's good to distinguish. One area that we're all and some of my uh, colleagues are excited about is the blood test yeah. um, because sometimes these what we're finding out more and more is that these brain injuries can cause actual hormonal changes in the brain and that can present as biomarkers in the blood and a lot of people a lot of specialists think this may be the future of brain injury test because it's quick and easy I mean I don't want to say I mean, but it is, they take yeah. some blood and send it off, yeah. right? And if you think about it, I mean, with some of these uh, diagnostic tests, you know, there's some exposure to rate, a little bit of exposure to radiation, but it's considered worthwhile to figure yeah. out the brain injury. With blood type style testing, you're right, way less invasive, probably cheaper. Um, so we're, we're kind of crossing our fingers and our holding our breath that some of these newer tests that are blood related um, have some good results and, and maybe the, the future. And I would think, honestly, if it's a blood type test, your, your primary care doctor, if they thought you had a concussion, could take the blood and send it off, right? You wouldn't even have to see a neurologist if your doctor was trained 
and aware and I guess looking for those types of injuries, right? That would absolutely honestly be the hope. It means that we would catch so many more brain injuries um, if it was just made more readily available, cheaper and easier to the point where it's like a standard panel that your uh, primary care wow. physician or even who knows, an urgent care could order for you. That would make our jobs way easier in terms of <laughs> catching these things. All right. Yeah. So we've talked about a ton of tests here um, that can be used to diagnose and find a brain injury from the, the general, you know, early, early stages to something much more specific and, and more focused is what I would say. Have we missed any of them? The, really the last one that we see used a lot of is something called a neuropsych test. Okay. This is the test before we had all these fancy, expensive uh, imaging devices. It was, um, it's basically like a PhD or a PsyD. Um, those are the credentials of these very smart, smart people that conduct these. They implement a standardized test. Okay. Um, and that standardized test is done. Um, and it looks at all forms of the cognitive of cognitive abilities like memory recall. It's a long test and it's expensive. Um, and clients would do these. This is before these imaging. It is actually still done today and supported. Um, now the issue is is that the the test is very run of the mill and standard. However, the interpretation of it um, is up for heavy debate. And what I mean by that is that you know we'll, a lot of times our client will have a treating doctor. Well, the defense will go out. And they will hire a, a you know a, a hired gun uh -huh. defense uh, uh, expert to basically you know interpret those results in a way that were to say you know you do not have a brain injury you're you're making all this up we see it time and time again so it becomes a real battle that's why we're loving these new tests gotcha. because they are way hard to argue against it's it's way harder for the defense to money the water when I have a clear 3D model image showing the part of the brain that's injured and it matches up to my client's symptoms at the scene. Because, and, and I'm just gonna play the other side, right? Or the, ask this question. We usually have correlation. I mean, we have the client's symptoms before the test is run, right? So these are in the records, everything is documented what the client is struggling with. Then they get the test results and they confirm everything that's going on with the client. It's not like you just go in and get this fancy test and then afterwards you're like, oh, well, I can't remember anything. I mean, it would be hard to fake all that in advance, right? That is. That is truly the key, Shane. And that's the thing is that, you know, we have these clients that give us all these symptoms at their first or second doctor's visit. They don't get this imaging usually for months down the road. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's very insincere sometimes when the defense says that our clients, you know, aren't as injured or they say they are, or they don't have the symptoms because it's very hard for someone that doesn't have all these degrees and is a specialist to know all the parts of the brain that they were having injuries in, complaining of those complaints and then later get an image and it's that exact part of the brain that controls the symptoms they complain. Sounds a little ridiculous when you, uh, when you yeah. spell it out like that. Yeah, and it, that's why the defense does not like these imagings and they fight fight to keep them out because it's it's very conclusive. Well, John, uh, one, thanks for coming on the show and talking on My Matters. And uh, it's always great to learn about, you know, the, the brain and uh, concussions and TBI and how it affects the law. For our listeners, uh, like and subscribe down below for more future updates from uh, My Matters. And I'm Shane from Shane Smith Law. In pain, so I call Shane. 9809999999 in pain call Shane